comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No Netflix, no iPads, no Instagram, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Dead TV Podcast, episode 83, where we will talk about the latest episode of the Walking Dead TV show, entitled Home. This is Brad. With me is Jim Dietz and Jordan from Jersey. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm ready to talk some Walking Dead. I'm doing a lot better than Rick. Or Axel. <laughs> or Johnny M's computer, apparently. Which is why he's not with us this evening. Yeah, and Russell's, uh, Russell's out of town, right? Yeah, he's in uh, Chicago, I believe. Ah, that's where Russell's from anyway, so it's like going home for him. This was a uh, a slam-banger of an episode, if you ask me, especially the last ten minutes, and, and we'll we'll get to that, but I really did enjoy this episode. As did I. Um, do we have any news to get to before we get to the recap and everything? Uh, not that I found. Uh, I also liked the episode. I was kind of down on it until, like Brad said, those last ten minutes, man, they won me over, because that was awesome. I'll save it for the end if you remind me Glenn Mazzara was tweeting after the episode and all day today about he was sharing different tweets that he had received regarding the show and I thought it was interesting the dichotomy of uh, the the varying opinions um you know from the people who were watching it's uh it gives new meaning to you can't please all the people all the time so I'll uh, I'll track down some of those tweets while Jordan's going over the the synopsis. Uh, it'll be interesting. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure it won't surprise anybody what what he's tweeted, but it's fun nonetheless. Well, if we don't have any news, of course the big news is Dixons are back, obviously. But we'll talk about that in a second. I say we just jump right into the uh, what's the word? What's the word? Synopsis. Synopsis. All right, let's do it. So, episode ten of season three, Home, starts with Rick on uh, the prison catwalk. And he sees a woman in a white dress standing over by the graves. So he walks over. When he gets there, she disappears. Then all of a sudden she reappears outside the fence. So he rushes over there. He leaves it open. Everybody's kind of watching him. And he sees that is it is Lori, although it's, it's not exactly hard to tell even for us, the viewer. You see her from behind a few times, and it's a very distinctive hair. Uh, so he walks up to her. Uh, she cradles his face. He touches her hand. And uh, we cut over to Michonne watching him. And as she can tell that something very strange is going on. Glory, uh, it's probably better to say Sarah Wayne Callies. She cleans up pretty nicely, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. I like the name that our friend Aaron gave her, Lori Juice. Lori Juice? I saw Lori another Juice, one like today. Juice. Somebody else said that they call her Hori. 
<laughs> like the hoary host of the underworld. Yeah, I hope. <laughs> or actually, when I read that, I, I, in my head, I was thinking haunted Lori, but I like yours better. I have to say though, while we're on the subject of Rick and, and Ghost Lori, I am growing tired of Crazy Rick. Okay, I mean Rick is like. All through the thing, it's been like the pillar, been the moral, not in the moral center so much, but the center of this group of people and, and keeping them together and alive. And I could see him freaking out for you know a bit, an episode like we had with the you know the ghost phone call uh, in the last, in the first half of the season, or you know even last uh, episode with him like freaking out there at the end. But if they continue to string this along, I'm going to get really really tired of it. I'm already starting to get a little tired of it now. So I just uh, hope he kind of puts it and puts himself back together. Well, how many episodes has it been that he's been crazy? It was two on this side of the break, but how many before then was it? Uh, two as well, because there's the one where he was going through the prison just killing everything, and then there was the phone call episode. Okay. I mean, I totally understand and probably even agree with you, Jim. Uh, you know, I don't want this to be another Sophia thing where she's missing for eight episodes. I don't want Crazy Rick around for eight episodes. You know, but then I think, well, what would happen if my wife you know, died a horrible death like that, I might go a little insane. But, you know, I'm not Rick. I'm the viewer. I I would like... This really isn't a show based in, in that much reality, you know? Yeah. I mean, I can understand for for dramatic effect and to, to make us question his leadership as they go into the big con- confrontation that started to, in this episode or whatever, I can totally understand. But if uh, if they don't bring, you know, Rick back from the edge of crazy pretty soon, I'm going to uh, not, be, not be pleased. Like I said, I'm already getting a little tired of it. I think it might be more effective if he was crazy for a while and then he got it together. And then he went crazy again, you know, for a part of an episode or he thought he saw something and then he became sane again. You know, just the constant craziness, the whack jobness does get kind of old. But I think the never knowing when he's going to freak out again, that would kind of lend something to it. Yeah, and I think almost by by overdoing it, they're kind of um, losing what would make it special. You know what I mean? Like I think, like you said, Brad, if if he was if he had like a slight freak out, like the phone incident, or like this, and then got it together and was cool for a longer period of time, it's almost like a time bomb. You're waiting for it to go off. You know what I mean? Um, I will say, and I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves in the synopsis, but um, uh, the the silver lining of this is how Glenn is really stepping up. You know, as far as like trying to trying to take on you know Rick's role as leader of the group and the you know the sane, the voice of reason, voice of sanity, as it were. So back over at Woodbury, the governor talks to Andrea and he asks her to take over. He says he's not fit to lead the people at this moment, but that she is, and uh, she it seems agrees to take over. Well, and this bothered me a little bit too, because just in the last episode, he went out of his way to tell her that she was just passing through, that she was just an outsider. You know what I mean? And then she gave her a little Braveheart speech, and now he's ready to give her the keys to Woodbury. It just seemed kind of like an about face for him. I didn't take anything he said right there at face value. I just thought he was turning on the BS just to keep her around and just to throw her off guard so he could in fact keep an eye on her and that's why he enlisted Milton later uh, in the episode I don't think he has any intention of letting her lead I think he was just trying to hook her and get her to stay guilt trip her into staying if you will you know she he's afraid she's going to go running off to her friends and and he obviously doesn't want her to yeah I, I think I agree with you there it was more just to keep her out of the way so meanwhile, out in the woods, Daryl and Merle are arguing 
while they're walking through the forest. Daryl wants to be back at the prison, um, but Merle says, you're probably off, better off here because the governor's going to head over and slaughter everyone there. Uh, back at the prison, Glenn decides, you know, with, with Rick crazy and Daryl away, I'm third in charge, so uh, he wants to fortify the prison against the governor. Herschel suggests that they flee instead, uh, but Carl kind of shoots him down, and then he enlists Carl to, or Glenn enlists Carl to investigate where Tyrese's group came in, because if there's an obvious breach, they want to take care of it. Back over at Woodbury, uh, the governor visits Milton in the lab, and he asks if he can still count on him for his allegiance, and Milton says, of course you can, and the governor tells him to keep tabs on Andrea. And later when Andrea asks Karen and Milton and Martinez where the governor is, uh, they all tell her that he left Woodbury to go on some type of uh, supply mission, but they dodge further questions. Worst liars ever. <laughs> Particularly Milton. Yes, worst liars ever. I'm sorry, they just like, I don't know, I'm surprised Andrew just didn't call him right there on it, you know. Was this the scene where the governor asked Milton if he would take a bullet for him? Yes. <laughs> I, I uh, reacted a lot like Milton did for some reason. I was like, wow, that's, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. It it kind of creeped me out when he said that, you know, would you take a bullet for me? I was like, man, this guy really is, you know, just prove, again, proving himself psycho. And, and I don't know that I would tell the guy, no, you know, I'm not going to step in front of a bullet for you. I, he probably would shoot me right then and there. So I thought that was, I liked that scene for some reason. So we head back over to the prison. And Glenn and Carl get back, and they say that the boiler room is overrun with walkers again. And again, Herschel says, we should retreat. But Glenn ignores him, and he says he and Maggie are going to go to the far side of the prison to look for the breach. But Maggie's still in her cell, uh, kind of avoiding him, so Glenn goes to her, and he talks to her about what happened with the governor, and he asks her point blank, were you raped? Uh, She snaps at him, and she tells him uh, all that happened, which was exactly what we saw on screen. She says she was not raped. And then she shoves him away and bitterly, bitterly asks him if he feels better now that he knows the whole story. I don't buy Maggie's problem. I don't buy her anger. I don't. I, it just doesn't. It doesn't sit right with me. You would think it, it, it seems like she's being angry with him because he's concerned about her. Yeah, and that that maybe she doesn't want to talk about it, and maybe she's frustrated or angry that he keeps asking about it. But all she has to do, ladies, is say, look, I know you're concerned. I'm not ready to talk about it. Will you trust me that I will come to you when I'm ready? That's all she had to say. Instead, there's this drama, which obviously was contrived for TV. I get it, I, you know, but it still didn't ring quite true. I'm not one to call, to use the word bitch when I describe females, but Maggie's being a bitch. And I think she's she needs to just relax. Obviously, this guy cares about her. I mean, am I am I way off in thinking this? I think it's a complicated situation, and they're both reacting poorly, but it's the type of situation that you can't exactly prepare yourself for, and therefore most people who go through it, well, I shouldn't say most people, but a lot of people who go through similar situations will react poorly. Pretty much the same thing I said last week about Glenn, just reversed on her. 
Yeah, I mean, even though she wasn't raped, it was still a very, you know, jarring and, and uh, excoriating experience for her, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, by proxy for Glenn, too, because he's powerless to help her in any way, and that's all he's been trying to do since he's fallen for her, is try to protect her and help her. So, yeah, I, I agree with Jordan, they're both reacting poorly. But it's an incredibly stressful situation. I mean, and we might have said something about this last week, but I think a lot of Glenn's anger and rage comes from the fact that he just felt completely helpless and was unable to prevent whatever happened that he still doesn't isn't clear about, you know, that, that he was unable to prevent that from happening and he's feeling bad for it. Absolutely. So outside the prison, Carol and Axel are establishing a bar- barricade to prepare for what they all pretty much figure is an impending and unavoidable showdown with the governor. And Axel, you know, kind of opens up to Carol, and then they've been getting along more and more as the last few episodes have gone through, and he tells her he was sent to prison because he held up a gas station, but he was doing it with a fake gun. Uh, when the police came to question him, they didn't believe him that it was a fake gun, and they searched the house, and they found his brother's real gun, um, and they, they sent him to prison for it. And uh, they, they kind of flirt for a little bit, and he says he doesn't even know how to use a real gun, and so Carol shows him how to use hers. I'm really starting to like Axel. Yeah, you know, I've I've always been pre predisposed to like him because I like love guys with crazy mustaches. Yeah, and I liked I liked in the comic how I mean I liked the Axel character in the comic. He was laid back. He always said, "You follow me." You know, I find myself saying that in real life now. You follow me, and then they actually had this guy on TV say, "You follow me" at least once, and I was like, "Okay, I like this guy." I was ready though. I thought they were leading us in this direction though so they could turn around and have him betray everybody. I thought that's what they were going to do. And so I was pleasantly surprised, I guess I'll say, even though that's not really appropriate, when it turned out that that's definitely not what happened. But I was waiting for him to turn out to be a very, very bad individual and that showing him how to use a gun was going to be a big mistake. But uh, I misread those signals. So we head back into the woods where Merle and Daryl are walking when they hear a baby, or Daryl hears a baby crying, so they go off to investigate. And they find uh, a Mexican family on a overpass being attacked by walkers. So Daryl immediately runs up to the rescue. He kills off a bunch of of, of zombies with his crossbow. And Merle kind of helps out. He's kind of just standing there, you know, shooting occasionally. And uh, Daryl gets probably my favorite zombie kill in a long time when he kills a zombie with a hatchback. That was awesome. Yeah, the trunk. That was awesome. That was bloody. (laughs) Later on on the the Talking Dead when they do their in memoriam thing they they show all the deaths that happened that episode they chose to run that particular shot when he's closing the hatchback in super slow motion yeah it was pretty gnarly yeah so once they've killed all the zombies uh merle pulls out his gun and he aims it at one of the guys there on the bridge and uh then he starts searching through the car where where the mother and the baby are and uh, Daryl finally can't take it anymore. He points his crossbow at Merle. He tells the family to get in the car, waits for them to get away, and then he stalks off, leaving Merle alone. I was surprised and not surprised at the same time that Daryl would have done that to his brother. You know, I figured he would have had his brother's back, which I guess he did, but then you could tell Daryl's changed because he put a crossbow up to his brother's head. And I, th- I think a lot of it had to do with the baby, too, since Sophia... And Judith and everything, he's become really attached to children. And maybe that was a maybe that was something that was a quality of him long before that. But that's where we really started to see it emerge. And so once Merle is threatening the life of a family with a baby, that's when all bets are off. 
Well, Merle even, you know, Daryl says, they had a baby, and Merle said, so if they didn't have a baby, it would have gone differently? Is that what you're telling me? And he and it might even, have. Yeah, but Daryl couldn't even answer that question because he's he was afraid to be honest and say, no, it probably wouldn't have gone different because he knows that's not going to sit well with Merle. Right. And we get more representation of Earl being such a racist, racist douchebag, too. I think it was only a matter of time before something separated them. My uh, 18-year-old daughter is watching The Walking Dead, and she watched it this morning after school, and I uh, saw a tweet from her earlier in the day that uh, it said uh, something like, I really, 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 really hate Merle. <laughs> of course, I knew what she was talking about because I knew she had you know, started watching that particular episode. So uh, Merle follows Daryl into the woods and he yells at him for risking his life to help strangers, like you were saying, and he reminds Daryl of something that we did not know as viewers, that when he was trapped on the roof in Atlanta, he and Daryl were planning to rob the camp. And the only reason that that didn't happen was because Merle wasn't there to help carry it out. So they fight a little bit and Daryl's shirt rips and uh, it reveals that he has scars all over his back, which is quickly explained as um, he was beat by his father, and so was Merle. And Merle kind of apologizes, says he didn't know about the beatings, but Daryl says, yes, you did, that's why you left. And, and Merle says that he had to leave, otherwise he probably would have killed their father. Which makes Daryl walk away, telling Merle that he's going to back to where he belongs, and Merle complains he can't follow him back to the prison. Two things I would like to say here. One, I really like the line when Daryl says, I may be the one walking away, but you're the one that's leaving. Uh-huh. That was a good really, line. Really liked that. And the second thing I wanted to pull, if I could pull the curtain back just for a moment and talk about uh, video production. I don't know if any of you noticed, but when, um, for the majority of the episode, Daryl had a scratch under one of his eyes. I can't recall which one it was. And then when... He was on the ground, and Merle ripped his shirt, and we saw Daryl's back, and he had the tattoos on the right side of his back. Those wings, were they butterflies or wings or something like that? Uh, I wasn't exactly sure. It was a quick shot. Yeah. <clears throat> the They were underneath his right shoulder blade on the right side of his back. Then he stands up, he puts the backpack on, cuts back to Merle, and Merle is looking to our right. He's looking from camera left to camera right, and in the when you're producing a TV show, you want to try to keep things as natural as possible. So that means when you cut from one person to the next person, if person A is looking to the right, you want person B looking to the left. So it seems natural. So it seems like they're looking at each other. Well, in the shots of Daryl, after he gets back up off the ground and puts the backpack on, they had to reverse those shots. And you can tell that by the fact that the scratch under his eye was now under the opposite eye. And when he walks away, the tattoos are now on the left side of his back. And he's, his backpack is on the other shoulder, and his crossbow is now being held in the other hand. And I just thought that was very interesting. Um, you know, sometimes in the editing process, you have to do things to make things work. And sometimes... You don't have enough to work with, so you got to do the next best thing. And in this case, it was reversing the shot. And, you know, uh, eagle-eyed people, you know, detail-oriented people will see those types of things. And the only reason I saw it is because, like I said, I've, you know, been editing for years and years. But I just thought it was interesting, and I wondered if either of you had noticed 
that or if any of our listeners noticed. Wait a second, the tattoos just moved. Why is that? I think one of our listeners did, because I think I read it on the, the Facebook page, but I did not read it myself. Or I did not notice myself, I mean. I didn't notice when it happened either. I didn't know until after the fact when I read that on the Facebook group. Uh, one thing I will say about this, though, I'm glad they wrapped this subplot of the Dixon brothers going off on their own uh, sooner rather than later. Amen. Because uh, I just I I could see it like kind of meandering much in like you know like a looking for Sophia kind of way. I'm glad they are, they're you know bringing it to an end, and I hope they do the same thing with um, Tyrese and his group. I hope they you know they 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 bring that plot thread back quicker rather than later. From your lips to Glenn's ears. <laughs> So we head back to the prison. Uh, we're outside, and Glenn is going off in uh, the SUV. And Herschel tries to stop him. And he tells Glenn, "You know, you're angry. You're going to get yourself killed." Glenn says that with Rick. Because, well, wait. Yeah, I think you skipped something. Glenn is on his way to go kill the governor. Well, no. I think at that's this like point he said that's not what he was going to do. He was just heading out for supplies. Well, there was uh, a okay. Scene. I thought that was his intent, though, all along. It was Jim, because there was a scene earlier that that Jordan. Um, had has already talked about about wanting to go off, and he goes up to Michonne and says, "We could end this tonight, you and me. We can get in there, kill the guy, and get out." You know, and then Herschel was like, "No, we shouldn't do that." So when he leaves in the, you know, since Maggie won't go with him, you know, he leaves in the SUV to go kill the governor, but he's not going to tell his future father-in-law basically that that he's going to do that because he knows his father-in-law doesn't want him to do that. So Oh, I, I he, agree that that's probably what he was doing. I'm just saying he said that's not what he's doing. Right, but I think I think we all know exactly what he was doing. Gotcha. Yeah, that's what I was that's I, I guess that's where I was fuzzy because I thought it was his intent all along whether he, you know, told anyone or not. It was his intent. I mean, after he talks to Michonne, I mean, it's pretty obvious that he wants to, you know, he wants to get the governor. It reminds me of that video I saw on the internet the other day about this, like, two-year-old kid with chocolate on his face, and the mom was saying, have you been oh, eating... Oh, the Sprinkles kid? Yeah, have you been eating... Did you eat Sprinkles? No. And they were, like, all over his face. That was, like, what Glenn was. Are you going to kill the governor? No. And he's got governor all over his face. Yeah. <laughs> so, Glenn ignores Herschel, and he drives off. So, Herschel sees, you know, a disoriented Rick still, like, just meandering outside the prison fence... So he hobbles over, and he tells them that the group needs him as a leader more than ever now. Uh, Glenn just simply isn't up to the task. He fears he's being reckless. And Rick opens up a little bit to Herschel and says he's seeing Lori. He knows it's not really her, but he feels there's got to be a reason why he's seeing her. And he just kind of zones out again and wanders back into the forest. You know, Herschel has turned out to be the character I'm probably going to miss the most once he's gone, assuming he's going to go because everybody in this show goes. He's taken the Dale route, or the Dale exact, road. Exactly. From when Dale was say, awesome. And he, not has, he has turned into the character that I relate, like my feelings for that character, I relate that to Dale in the comic, the way I felt about Dale in the comic and how I felt about him. The Herschel in the comic was kind of a, douchebag just a little bit 
you know. I, yeah, this Herschel is a lot different than the Herschel in the comic. I mean, yeah. I mean, the story went a lot differently differently than I did in the comic too. And I mean, I've been saying all along that, that Scott Wilson has been my you know my standout performance in, in this show for for a while now. I just think he, what he brings to Herschel and the kind of um, you know kind of just thoughtful delivery and, and thoughtful acting that he's doing here is it's just really good. It brings a lot to the character, and I agree. A lot of the the, the um, role that Dale uh, fulfilled in the comic, Herschel's fulfilling here. You know the good the good Dale that we all like the Dale that I rooted for uh, in the comic. Oh yeah, not the not old lady Dale as played by uh, Jeff Demuth. It was funny seeing Scott Wilson and Judge Dredd when we watched it for Real Heroes after seeing you know, <laughs> yes, what a subtle was. and thoughtful performance he's doing here and seeing him playing a redneck cannibal in that movie was was quite jarring. I think um, Scott Wilson's probably the best actor on the show. I think Andrew Lincoln is doing a very good job as Rick. But I really think Scott Wilson probably has an edge on on everybody else. I don't know. There's a lot of good actors. He's definitely at the top. But there's, I mean, Michael Rooker's a great actor. Well, true. Absolutely. I mean, Michael I, Rooker. And I, you know, don't don't. Um, oh, crap. There's only I'm one sorry. sucky actor on the show, and I'm not going to tell you who I think that is. But who? You, now you have to. I'm it's not. Judith, isn't it? I'm not. Yeah, that baby. Um, everybody. Is pretty good on the show, but I think Scott Wilson's probably the cream of the crop. I'd, I'd have to give props to Andrew Lincoln and Chandler Riggs is a really good actor on the show. I mean, I, I mean for his age, the kind of performances he's been given out, I think, are, are really impressive. Uh, I think the cast is pretty strong all, 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 all together. But I think just recently, especially in this episode and the episode before when he, I had the conversation with Tyrese, um, that you know the character of Herschel is really you know, making a big difference, a big impact on the story, uh, much much more so than they did in the comic. Absolutely. So back kind of inside the prison uh, fence, still in the co- courtyard, Carol and Axel are still talking when out of nowhere... Axel gets shot right in the head. He's dead instantly. He falls down. Uh, Carol kind of drops to the ground and hides behind his body, uh, using him as a human shield. And uh, we see that the governor is out at the tree line, and he's the one who shot Axel. And Rick's group runs for cover as the governor and his men attack. Uh, They're all shooting from both sides. And for the first time in the show in a long time, everyone is a terrible shot. It's stormtroopers all around. And uh, Maggie eventually kills one of the Woodbury soldiers who got himself on top of one of the exterior guard towers, and at that point a bread truck, or some type of truck, it says here bread truck, but I don't know exactly what type of truck it was, uh, comes crashing through the prison gates. Was it from Frank's bread shop? Oh, that would have been awesome. Yeah, it would have. And it stops in the middle of the the prison yard. Wait, before you go any further, let's let's save that part. Okay. Um, I gotta say, yeah, I was like, what's the deal with everybody missing? And nobody can hit the governor, and he's standing still and not moving. All he's doing is, like, just kind of... He's doing a Mr. Agent Smith from the Matrix thing when he, like, moves just a little bit, and a bullet, like, passes by him and hits the car next to him. Which is amazing, considering he has literally zero depth perception at this point. Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> even Carl's a better shot than than what we saw in this. But I gotta say... um. Alas, poor Axel, we knew him well. Is that the is that the quote? Um, you know, he was telling the joke. I just thought it was ironic. I, I thought it was ironic, you know. Hey, let's give him a little bit of backstory. Let's give him a little bit of character development. Okay, now let's shoot him in the head. Yeah. <laughs> I like the story he was telling about his brother had a, had a money problem. 
It's because he wouldn't loan me any. And there's one time this son of a bitch. That was just. I think I swore out loud. I don't. I don't swear as a as a point of pride or as a. You know, it's not part of my vocabulary, but I I was at you know was by myself watching TV, and I think I swore out loud when that happened because it caught me so incredibly off guard. I think I let out a very loud either "Holy crap" or "Holy cow," and I know it was audible and I know it was loud because that took me off guard. I just thought it was funny that when we uh, when we saw them coming into the prison when they were cleaning things out on their way in, we were talking about how we we want all of them on our Halo or on our Call of Duty team because it was all headshots all the time. And now, you know, that they're being attacked by real people, they can't seem to hit the side of a barn. Okay, so now here comes the noise. And I was talking to my buddy Chris at work today. He's a big Walking Dead fan. And he said, when that truck came in, when you first heard it, he goes, I thought it was a tank. <laughs> that would have been cool. Or a helicopter or something. Yeah, I didn't know I didn't know what it was. And when I heard it coming and the governor got that look on his face, I was like, okay, this is not good. And then it comes barreling through, and I thought, oh, it's full of soldiers, right? That was my first thought was, they're going to take this place by storm. And, of course, that's not what happened. With the way it had that um, kind of ramp thrown up top, I kind of figured it, w- it was what it was. But it was still, it was really tense because they it comes to a stop and just sits there for like 20, 30 seconds with like no music. And it's just sitting there, and you have no idea for sure what's going to happen. But then uh, that uh, that back door opens and and the ramp falls down and walkers just stream out. They had them packed in there like a clown car, and uh, the governor drives off and leaves uh, leaves our team to deal with all the zombies. The um, the driver of that vehicle was dressed in all riot gear, which was it looked very similar to the riot gear that they found at the prison when they from the comic. I. I I don't know if you guys noticed that, but... And that Glenn drove off in. Do you think they captured Glenn? Oh, no, no, he came back, didn't he? No, no, he came back. Yeah. But it was like full body. It had the the fold-down mask. I thought it was really cool. We saw that person. It was almost like paintball armor. Yeah, yeah. And right. uh, that was a thin person. I almost thought for a minute it was a woman dressed up on armor. We I think it know. was. had a ponytail. Oh, okay. Which, which isn't necessarily indicative of a woman, but it had the same frame. Okay, As a and female. we saw that person run off, take a couple of shots at Michonne behind the overturned Winnebago or whatever that was, and then that's the last we saw of that person, so we don't know where that armor-clad stranger is. It's also a great tradition of villains to leave their uh, uh, heroes to their fate and not actually watch them die. <laughs> or, like going back yeah. to James Bond movies, you know? Like, or, and they even made fun of it in Austin Powers, you know, I'll just, I'll get a gun, I'll shoot him right now. No, we need the sharks with the lasers on their head, you know. The, the only thing I didn't like, I thought it was cool, they weaponized the walkers like that, and that was a great idea. But the fact that the governor takes off and leaves them to do their work, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to leave you in the death trap that can't possibly be beaten now, and, uh, you know, I'm just going to assume you die. <laughs> like well, bad I mean, guys it, in it all depends they... what his what his intent is. Is he intending to kill them all or is he intending to show them, Hey, we mean business too. stay the F out of our town and leave us alone. It's probably the latter, but if the former happens, that's even better. True. And I'm sure by, by the end of the season, I'm sure we'll get that. Yeah. I, 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 something I also noticed that last 10 minutes, there was no dialogue. Almost none. I think a couple people shouting, shouting like, like, get like out of here. There's like some battle chatter, but as far as like, 
actual dialogue or whatever. I mean, that there was none for the light. And I, I, I timed it on my DVR. It's like a, a ten minute segment without without any you know, real dialogue. In my opinion, I know we haven't finished talking about it, but this is the the best ten, last ten minutes of an episode yet in the entire series. It's been I could get my, behind that. It's been my favorite last ten minutes of of any episode ever. So when the governor leaves and leaves our teams to deal with the zombies, uh, Herschel, you know, as soon as the shooting started, he was out by the fence with Rick. So he dropped to the ground and he's got his crutches, of course. The zombies are coming for him. He's taken out as many as he can. Rick is quickly runs out of ammo and he's being attacked by zombies outside the fence. Uh, and this is when, uh, you know, he like I said, he's out of he's out of ammunition a couple of zombies are about to bite him. He's surrounded when suddenly a crossbow bolt goes right through the head of one of the zombies right in front of him. And Daryl and Merle rush in and help save the day. And uh, they help kill most of the surrounding walkers outside the fence. They get everybody back inside the prison yard, inside you know the gate that wasn't taken down. And the episode ends with zombies just swarming in from the outside areas into the... Uh, newly opened up outer outer section of the fence. And that I'm really is surprised that no one on YouTube and no one on the internet has, has superimposed uh, the, the theme to the Dukes of Hazard to uh, <laughs> scenes, scenes with the Dixon brothers. I'm really serious, you know, just some good old boys. Because I was kind of thinking that when they came in to save the day, I was like, <laughs> I was kind of thinking, you know, I, I could hear the General Lee in the background, you know, but I think it would, if anybody out there is so, you know, video inclined, uh, I think that would be hilarious. I'm going to do that. Actually, now that I have some free time, uh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to collect a bunch of footage of the two of them together and uh, cut together a video just for you, Jim. Oh, that's sweet. So before we get to our Buster ratings and listener feedback and some other fun stuff, Jim, why don't you tell us about our fine sponsor? Our sponsors tonight and uh, every week here on the Walking Dead TV podcast are Discount Comic Book Service dcbservice.com but they don't just have comic books they have all kinds of other stuff too if you're a fan of The Walking Dead and I assume you are because you're listening to this show they have Walking Dead t-shirts action figures shot glasses uh, the Walking Dead comics and graphic novels in all various permutations sizes and versions. Uh, so if you're interested in The Walking Dead and you want to uh, you want to grab more more stuff, DCB Service has it and has it at a lower price. This month, their um, some of their features are the, they're offering all the Marvel Now titles. Marvel just recently relaunched a lot of their titles uh, with brand new number ones, brand new creative teams, and brand new storylines. It's a great jumping on point. If you've been out of Marvel Comics for a while or comics in general, it's a great jumping on point to get back into them in a big way. They're uh, giving the entire bundle for 50% off. It comes to 70 bucks. Uh, it would be normally 140 obviously, uh, without that discount. Uh, DCB Service always has the deep discounts on your graphic novels, your comics, and your pop culture-related stuff, like I said, T-shirts, action figures. Um, IDW's Countdown to Darkness trade paperback, which is a prelude to the upcoming Star Trek Into Darkness movie by J.J. Abrams. It's coming out in just a couple of months. Uh, is 50% off this month as well. Um, so definitely check that out. Uh, they also uh, have another site, In Stock Trades, for all your graphic novel and trade paperback needs. So check them out, dcbservice.com. If you use the code wd 8 and you're a first-time customer, or you haven't ordered anything from them in a year, you get an extra 8% off of their already deep, deeply discounted stuff. So that makes it even cheaper and even better for you. So you have no excuse not to get your books there. DCBService.com. Check it, check it out. Alrighty. So with no further ado, gentlemen, what are your Buster ratings 
for home? Well, last week I gave it a three and a half. I'm going to give it a four. Uh, I really, like I said, I really enjoyed the last ten minutes for sure, but I also liked, you know, the development of Axel. I liked the backstory we got on the Dixon brothers. Um, and I'll be honest, you know, I'd liked seeing Sarah Wayne Callies, even if for a short while. I'm going to give it four. I was I was uh, entertained and enjoyed it more than the previous week. I'll give it a four, too. It was a solid episode all around. There were some good good character moments. There. I, I'm marking off a little bit because of the dismissal of Tyrese and his group. I know they'll be back. And I'm marking off a little bit because I'm a little tired of Crazy Rick. Uh, but four out of five overall, I thought it was a great episode. Uh, the last ten minutes especially, very very uh, action-packed and suspense-filled. I can't wait to see what the fallout of all this is going to be and what happens next week. And uh, it was I thought it was a really solid episode all around, so uh, four out of five for sure. Well, I'll go for the hat trick. Uh, I was probably going to give this episode a three until that last ten minutes, and that brought it up to a four for me. Um, I was a little bored by some of it. I thought there was good stuff in there, like the Axel and Carol, Carol scenes um, and things like that, but it was really those last ten minutes that pushed it up to a four for me. So fours all around. What did Aaron think this week, gentlemen? Our friend Aaron Newworth, by the way, who does the Out Now with Aaron and Abe uh, podcast on the uh, on the same website, you can find the Walking Dead TV podcast. Um, he's a, a big a big fan of the show and uh, always sends us a little note, a little critique every week, and uh, here it is. Yeah, here's the condensed version of, the, of his uh, more in-depth review, which you can find on our website. He says, hey dudes, Home was another fine episode of The Walking Dead overall, which I would rank as about the same as last week's, but for different reasons. I felt like there was a lot going on, making for an episode that kind of meandered before finally dropping everything and ending with a big shootout. It was exciting, sure, but the focus felt off. My main points are all in my written review, of course, so I mainly want to point out the Dixon brothers here, as they were the best part of the episode, despite how quickly they came back to the prison. While my opinions of Merle as a person haven't changed, getting to see these brothers finally interact for an extended period of time was well handled in a character-based way. This reflects how good the two actors are, as well as how much more interested the writers are in these smaller stories. I think that's a very good point. Um, I've really kind of noticed that myself. The two of them got into a real conversation-slash-argument, which reflected who they once were and who they are now, and it was able to incorporate some effective Walker action naturally, as opposed to delivering a truck full of them at random. Issues aside, again, the review is more detailed, but I'm happy that things seem to be set up better and can be and, and can lead to more interesting episodes, hopefully. I hope Tyrese returns soon, and R.I.P. Axel. Three and a half out of five busters. I was complaining, P.S., I was complaining about Rick's aim during the show last night, but then my friend looked to me and said, Remember Skyfall? And it quickly shut me up. I guess being injured or in this case, seeing the ghost of my dead wife, could throw off my accuracy. And he's referring to James Bond not being able to perform the way he was after a, an accident, right? Probably. I still haven't seen Skyfall. Well, save yourself some time, and don't bother because it's boring. Or if you want to take a nap, watch it. 
Actually, I enjoyed it, and I think he's referring to the end where he's kind of, uh, where he's injured in the last stand type of thing where they're shooting up the house of the helicopter. Um, I think uh, he makes a good point about seeing the Dixon brothers together. My only regret with them bringing the Dixon brothers back so soon, and I'm glad they did, don't get me wrong, but it would have been cool to have like one of those one-off episodes that just focused on the two of them, uh, kind of like uh, the episode Chupacabra in the second season. Uh, where, you know, uh, Daryl was hallucinating Merle, but instead just the two of them. Kind of, or uh, the 18 Miles Out episode, which was just Rick and Shane and, and their prisoner. Um, I, I, would, I thought it would have been cool. Maybe we'll still get one, I don't know, to get like a one-off episode out, out of uh, just the Dixon brothers. I thought that'd be great. Some of our Twitter ratings were four and a half Daryls from Deadbeat Hero. Actually, I'm sorry, it's four and a half Daryls reused arrows. He says kind of slow in the beginning, but the last 10 minutes were intense. Julius Nunez says, uh, rating it three and a half T-Dogs slash Busters slash Axles. Uh, Debbie Hero wants to know, uh, when they had the scene in Woodbury this episode, I heard dogs barking in the background. Does anyone recall dogs on the show? Um, I don't. Hmm. But I don't... Can't I don't remember. Th- yeah, I don't think that... I don't think that was a, a big problem. Yeah, know? I think if there had been dogs on guard, uh, they would have probably attacked Rick and his group when they broke in. Uh, Jimmy and Georgia says 4.25 busters. Like oh, you know what? There was a dog. It was um, when they were having the little uh, picnic, or what, not picnic, but little like town fair in the episode that ended with the first reveal of the arena. I think in the very beginning, there was a, like a little girl walking a dog, and we thought it might be a flashback. So it might oh, okay. be somebody's personal dog, not a guard dog. Cool. Jimmy and Georgia says 4.25 busters. I like the episode but loved the last 10 minutes. Didn't see what happened to Axel coming. I think Merle is a plant. I wonder what he... What could he be a plant? You mean like... Like he's secretly working for the governor. Still, even though the governor threw him in the pit with the zombies and fighting his brother? Unless that was all just an elaborate ruse. Mostly I just wanted to say elaborate ruse. And you said it well. (laughs) <laughs> Elaborate ruse. You got Facebook stuff, Jim? I sure do. Uh, Newt Knight gave it 5 out of 5 shot in the head and axles. Uh, Donnie Salvo from Tales in the Attic on HHWLOD.com and Nothing's On podcast. He was giving it a 3 until the end, and now he'll give it a 4, just like you, Jordan. Uh, Susan Monk, 4 hatchbacks and axle body shields. Um... Don Heffer gave it a 4. Alisa Gonzalez, 5 out of 5. Daryl and Merle really together now, and even getting some insight into their past was excellent. Uh, Mike Jones gave it 5 broken axles out of 5. Terry Bernard gave it about a 3. 7, 5. He enjoyed Daryl helping the family on the bridge. Um, it seems to be a very popular part of this episode. 4.5 axle shields from uh, from Heather Campbell, and uh, Ever- Everard uh, gives it a 3.25. Um why you know he's wondering about why why Tyrese is uh, dismissed so quickly and he's pretty sure he'll be back. Uh, Crystal Cornelius four point two five. Robert Negro a uh, five or four point five. Um, Echo Alpha gives it a five out of five. Uh, Leslie Johnson four point five. So it's a pretty well regarded episode. Uh, Shane Jenkins gives it four Herschels hiding in the grass. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, four point two five. Hop sloppy hatchback kills from uh, Christopher Levine and. Uh, Belinda Clark Ake asks, where was Little Ass Kicker? I'm going to guess she was in her bassinet from last episode. I would guess so. Uh, maybe they should have given her a gun. She might have had better aim than some of the, <laughs> some of the crew. 
And uh, Luke Smith gave it a solid four uh, out of five and says, bring on the Walker bomb. So if you'd like to be a part of our Facebook group, it is pretty active. We keep it posted with all the Walking Dead news and cool stuff that we find around the web there. It's uh, the Walking Dead TV podcast uh, Facebook group. Check it out and join it. I mentioned Glenn Mazar's tweets earlier, and um, one of the first things he tweeted after the show ended was, you guys got too comfortable. We know what that means. Um, He said, some feedback from last night's episode. This came uh, five hours ago as we record. Too slow. Too much action. Too much killing. Not enough killing. Too talky. Michonne should talk more. Character stuff is boring. We need more action. Too much action. Not enough character. So, you know, you can't please everybody, right? I mean, I, I feel sorry for the guy because he's trying to do the best job he's doing and somebody's always going to hate him and somebody's always going to love him. It just depends on what happens in the episode. Well, it's like anything that's just popular, you know, you can't please any of the, the adage, you can't please all the people all the time. When you have a wider net to cast with more and more people, it's going to be harder to please them all. So, I mean, I thought personally it was a good mix of action and character stuff. Uh, it did drag a little bit in the first part, but uh, I think the last 10 minutes definitely made up for it. And, uh, but you make a good point, Brad. Uh, you know, it could have been wall-to-wall zombie kills and people would have griped about no characterization and it could have been all talking and dialogue and people would have griped about, you know, no zombie kills. So, um, Somebody called him on why. what was Michonne's motivation in this episode to just stay out of the way. And he says, Michonne just watched Rick toss Tyrese. She's smart enough to keep her mouth shut. Doesn't want to draw attention to herself. That's probably a very good point, too. Especially when you're dealing with crazy Rick. All right, so after the ending here, we'll, of course, have our preview for next week's episode. Mild spoilers, as always, but we keep it as little as possible. Until next week, though, you can leave us a voicemail at 516-468-7912. That's 516-468-7912. Or send us an email, comments at walkingdeadtv.com. And don't forget to check out hhwlod.com for all of our great shows like Half Hour Wasted, LOD, PKD Black Box, and Out Now with Aaron and Abe. And of course, all those shows can be found on Facebook as well, as can this one. Follow us on Twitter at WDTV Podcast and at HHWLOD underscore network. And so until, until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, in times of crisis, nothing beats a human shield. Have a good week, everybody. Good night. Keep your head down. And next week on The Walking Dead, episode 11 of season 3 will be entitled I Ain't a Judas. And the plot synopsis we have is Rick and the group are forced to make a decision now that their safety is no longer guaranteed. Andrea feels uncomfortable now that Woodbury has become a police state. And I can't wait. Have a good one.
That's not Nirvana. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really depends on uh, if you're going for the more esoteric or li- uh, literal definition of Nirvana. Rick be crazy. Honky Rick Sheriff be cray tipping. cray. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a Thirty Rock reference, of course, on my part. What did you say? Honky Sheriff be tripping. Oh, I was laughing at Jim saying cray cray. <laughs> Never in a million years would I thought Jim Dietz would have said cray cray. That is what the kids say today. It so is, apparently. I don't listen to the popular music. <laughs> <laughs>